With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. February 21st, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. That's the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me here in the studio, as usual, is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Hello, Bosch. Hello, everyone. So I'm in a mood this week, and I attribute it, and I think justifiably, to the fact that I had to do my taxes this week. That's the first link that you see at my blog at don'tletitgo.com is just a link that says taxes. And I take you via my handy-dandy Amazon Associates link over to amazon.com where you can find software to help you do your taxes and make the process a little bit more bearable. You know, these people who talk about the reform of taxes and the ability to put all of your taxes onto a postcard. Imagine what a huge addition to your life in terms of stress, hours spent, everything else. I I was talking to Bosch yesterday after I had finished doing the taxes and I said, do you know that doing taxes literally takes away your sense of values if you spend enough time? And it's the kind of thing where Ahead of time, you're kind of in suspense as to how it's going to come out. So, you it, it, you know, it, it's like a horrible, I don't know, it's like, it must be like watching Breaking Bad or something, but not artistic. It's like, but you, you want to see how the Breaking train is, is going to wreck. Breaking, Breaking Bad is entertaining. That right. That's different. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> but you want, you want to see what the horrible outcome is going to be. You have to binge do your taxes just to get it over with and to find out what, the total is, yep. you know, what your what your tax bill is. And this is why when um, Mark Levin proposes uh, moving tax day to the day before election day, that makes perfect sense. You are pissed <laughs> off. You are ready to, you know, vote these rats out of office. The guys who especially have been pushing high taxes. It's really important to do that. You know, I actually, with respect to some people's types of tax returns, maybe if you have a small business or you own a home and you take deductions, whatever your situation is, I could not imagine doing the taxes without the help of the software. I just couldn't imagine that. There are people who try to read the regulations. And then, of course, if you try to Google questions that you have as you're going through, even the software, it asks you questions that are unintelligible and you take your best guess. It is so horrible. Freedom Breeze here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio says, ew, me too. 
I mean, you don't want to put it off to April because you just want to get it over with and you want to get out and get on with your life. That's what you want to do. And I think that they are betting on the fact that it is sort of an endurance test. And at a certain point, you're just so sick of itemizing deductions that you're just going to take whatever hit is left over just to get it done with. You know, you you do your best. You do it as long as you can stand it. You've got your records and however much order you have your records, and you just do it. You get it done, and you and you go on. Anyway, so that's me. It's also why I haven't been posting very much. I just want to get that whole nightmare over with, and I'm glad to say that it is it is done and and off. On to better things. This show is brought to you again by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peacock. That's A M Y. P-E-I-K-O-F-F, like the word off, Frank, Frank. And you can get a free trial with Audible and help the show. So thanks, Audible, for continuing to be a sponsor. I understand that there were signups, so that's kind of cool to uh, to know. Some of you are already customers of Audible, like I already was before I was approached to have Audible be a sponsor for the show. I'm very glad to have them on board. Let's dive in because... There is this huge, huge thing on Ted Cruz this week, a huge debate apparently among objectivists, among people who are fans of Ayn Rand, about whether we should be in favor of Ted Cruz and what he's trying to do in Washington, or whether we should play it safe and do what's necessary to get the Senate you know, a majority, a Republican majority in 2014, and that somehow this is a false dichotomy. Or is Ted Cruz just out for himself Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. what's best for his party and his country? These are the questions that have been being raised this week. And why is it? Because he forced a vote last week on this suspension of the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling is now suspended. And it's so funny, you know, there's one piece that I linked to today. Again, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com. I have a little section called Program Notes. I link to all the stories we talk about in today's show. And one of them is the Strassel piece at Wall Street Journal. And Strassel keeps putting everything in quotes about, you know, basically that people are wrong. She's implying that people are wrong to say that Obama has been given a blank check. Obama has been given a blank check. There is no debt ceiling. The debt ceiling has been suspended. What more is like a blank check ever? This is the way that we understand it. Um, They should give me a blank check. I don't know. We don't get blank checks. Why does Obama get a blank check? He has been given a blank check, and the people who voted to increase the debt ceiling. Now, of course, where does the blame go ultimately for this? The the fact that it was rammed through so quickly that no, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Sol talks about the Republicans should make some points. Um, who who's to blame for the fact that the Republicans didn't communicate any points of substance along the way? Yeah. Boehner. Boehner's the one who is the Speaker of the House. Right. Doesn't speak. Boehner had the power to either bring the clean, so-called clean, put the clean in square scare quotes, because it is anything but clean to continue to put this country in more and more debt. But, you know, he's the one who brought it to the floor. He brought this debt ceiling bill to the floor and yeah. got the majority. And therefore, over in the Senate, the only thing that could be done to stop it or at least stall it for half a minute and make people think is require 60 votes in order to 
have the cloture and then be able to go ahead and pass it. So, uh, you know, it's, it goes back to Boehner. The buck stops with Boehner at a certain oh, point. Yeah. Uh, that's why Ted Cruz had to do what he did. But anyway, let's, let's get into some of these pieces. It started, I guess, God, it didn't even start that long ago, it looks like. This past week. It's just this during this week, in the past couple days. And he wrote Ted, three pieces. Ted Cruz and the Point of No Return. I guess this is a republishing of the pieces. That the idea it started earlier this week, and then I guess National Review republished it. Um, but Ted Cruz and the Point of No Return. This is by Thomas Sowell, and in the piece, sold. I'm sorry. Yeah, Sowell essentially says, "Look, we are near the point of no return. Things are really bad. Obamacare is just not about." redistributing wealth or some new tax or even taking over health care, which is a huge thing. It's about a huge increase in the power of the federal government. We are on the verge and people shouldn't be worried about so-called purity in the Republican Party right now or trying to make a point about making the party stronger in the long term. He's basically saying, look, there is no long term. Mm -hmm. We either get a Senate majority here in 2014 or forget it. And obviously the implication is the only way to have the Senate majority is to stop going the way of Ted Cruz and instead keep going the way of the establishment GOP. And the fact that Thomas Sowell is 83, it's possible it might have something to do with it. He wants to see something in his lifetime before then. Who knows? But he's dead wrong. He wants to maintain it. He's basically propping up the, stat- the status quo, as I call it, the status quo. Boehner, McConnell, he, he's fine with them. He has a problem with Cruz. I mean, it's pretty shocking, actually. He does have a problem with the establishment Republicans, but yet he still no, no, no. thinks that that's the only that's way to get a majority in 2014. Uh, and, he uh, thinks... Kim also, sorry. To, uh, the Bush years, he, the pre- presidency Republican, the Senate, the House, all three branches, what do they do? Expand government, spend like Democrats. So does he mention that in his piece? I don't no, know of course at all. not. No. Because he's like, well, you know, we know what a full throttle Republican government has done. It's very recently, years ago. And he wants to return the same crap. Right. State Defiance in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says politics made up of poly, meaning many ticks, meaning bloodsuckers. Never trust a politician. <laughs> Do I trust Ted Cruz? I mean, I don't know. This is this is the thing that we. I mean, we've talked about this a few times here on the show. Well, he's the best out there, right? And and what should politics be about? Politics is about putting government in a configuration such that it enables a moral human existence. We need our government to enable us to live moral lives, not by helping us, but by getting out of the way, really. That's what government is supposed to do. And it's supposed to keep criminals out of our way, and it's supposed to keep any invading terrorists and other people who are making war on us out of our way. Just let us live. Protect our rights and let us live. That's what it should be doing. That's what politics should be about. And Ted Cruz, most of the things that I ever see him talk about, one of the links that I have on my blog at DontLetItGo.com today, is simply to Ted Cruz's Facebook page. If you go there and you look at the things that he posts about, and he posts a couple times a day at least, he's posting good stuff. He is posting about getting the federal government out of our way, for the most part, reducing the size and scope of the government. That's his main thrust. That's why 
you know, all these other issues that people try to impose on him about the social, you know, the social values and all that. That's his main thrust, rolling back government, bring back a constitutional government in this country. That's his main thrust. Now, if he says, oh, I'm running on this, and then when I get in office, I'm going to take off my mask and do something entirely different. Well, he wouldn't say it until he gets in office and does that, and then we can right. deal with it then. Of course, but, of course, but I, I, don't, I don't see that that's the case. I don't think so. And if, if his self-interest is to state that, to get popular because he is spreading that essential message, to get elected on that message, to become president on that message – then there is no conflict between yep. his self-interest and our interest. Daniel yes. here at the chat room, Blog Talk Absolutely. Radio, he asks, he says, is he just out for himself? And that is what, um, you know, soul raises the specter of. But then, he says that basically, yeah, but Daniel cru- says, cru- is there a conflict between tech uh, interest and ours also? No, no. That's I mean, the whole point. You know, here, here's the point. He says that uh, there are disquieting signs. This is soul, quoting from soul. There are disquieting signs that Cruz is looking out for Ted Cruz even if that sets back the causes he claims to be serving, now, one second. end quote. And I don't one see how Just Ted Cruz, given everything that he's doing, Ted that Cruz. he could seek his own advantage while right. setting exactly back his right. causes, because everything that he's doing is in the... It can be integrated. His, yeah. his values could, right. you know, anyway, um, could align with the, with the values of the country. And, but also, he uh, seems like, uh, he thinks Ted Cruz is uh, doing it at the expense of the, of the program party. Ted Cruz... I think he wants to save America, not the Republican Party. That's the least of his concerns. And Thomas Sowell, I don't know what the hell happened to him. Uh, he was good. And, you know, a little thing here and there, you could tell maybe a little altruism creeps into his work. But this is the worst I've seen him. And to have three back-to-back-to-back pieces against Ted Cruz, it's just it's shocking. And, and as Michael Savage used to say about people who, who basically overstayed their welcome, I think he needs to walk at the end of a pier, you know, roll his pants up to his legs and read some maybe uh, Dr. Seuss or something, eat some Fig Newtons and just call it a day. You know, you had a good run. It's over. You know, it's over. Well, I think maybe people might agree with you after we establish the case towards the end of all this. It turns out that Seoul has penned not one, not two, but three pieces this week talking about Ted Cruz. Now, the second piece, mind you, is actually more of a piece uh, attacking the Republican establishment and with good cause. But we'll yeah, but, yeah, but keep in mind, he did that after he got called out on the carpet about the first piece. Right. So I guess you have to say, well, look, guys, I'm not for them. Well, you are for them. If you say you want to maintain it as is, then you're for them. Right. And here, the, fir- the first point to make clearly is that I do not see Ted Cruz's political self-interest as conflicting at all yes. with the interest of the country. Yes. It might not be in the interest of the GOP establishment, yes. but I'm not convinced at all that the interest of the GOP establishment <laughs> the is the country. interest of this country. Yes. I do not think, I mean, there, there's, well, there's, there's two points here, right? One is Seoul is assuming that the GOP establishment is, quote, electable. Um, we have seen two candidates wholeheartedly promoted by the GOP establishment fail against Barack Obama. That was John McCain and Mitt Romney failed miserably against a horrible loser, nihilist who wants to destroy our country, Barack Obama. Okay, so you've got these milquetoast guys. They lose against Barack Obama. 
and your solution is let's get more of them in or let's keep more of them in. It's shocking. That, you know, it, it is it's, so conventional, it, it, so it, bad. You know, that, that brings up the whole old adage about, you know, idiocy or stupidity is doing the same thing over and yes. over again, expecting different results. Why put these guys forward? There's that. The second thing is what Bosch was talking about a couple minutes ago, which is that suppose you get these guys in there, that they are electable. And then you think that's good for the country? Oh. No. These are the establishment GOP. The establishment GOP may as well be Democrats. And they gave us the thing, Obama. You know, Seoul thinks like, oh, yeah, you know, these guys are just playing it safe right now. But if you give them a majority, boy, they'll do a lot of great stuff. No, 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 no. There needs to be a revolution. And in terms of this point of no return issue, Daniel was making one point here in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio. He says, this sounds a lot like Leonard Peikoff's argument against Hispanic immigration, right. legal or otherwise. And one thing that Leonard Peikoff did say during his debate with Jerome Brook is that perhaps he's wrong about what the effect would be on voting right. elections and everything else if we were to allow open immigration. I myself, I am for having a good, rational, open immigration policy. And with respect to all the people who came here illegally, they should have to go through the entire process as well. And as long as you get rid of the safety net, I say let people in, but that's just me on immigration. So we can chat about that. But one more thing. One more thing, and that is that if you think of when it was really, really bad before, which is under the years of Carter, oh, yeah. Jimmy Carter, don't you think a lot of people thought we were at the point of no return yeah. then? Yeah. And that, no, you shouldn't go for so many, somebody as radical Absolutely as Ronald Reagan. Right. Absolutely right? right. Absolutely right. I would like to see the commentary, the editorials. Of course, there probably weren't as to. many at that point because right. there weren't blogs. It was newspapers. No, but, but Reagan had to yeah. fight off the GOP establishment again and again and again. Finally, at the third time, he finally got through. Um, he was considered far too radical, unacceptable by the GOP. And I guess Seoul would have been railing against Reagan as well at that point. Say, come on, Ronald, you know, what are you doing? You got to pull, you got to relax, you got to let the, the, the Gerald Ford wing of the Republican Party. Gerald Ford lost against who? Jimmy Carter. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's who that guy lost against. So, I mean, I just, I just see it's a repeat, and I see that Cruz has the same chance as a Reagan. Oh, yeah. And Cruz can articulate a message, which is Cruz something that us, Seoul gave him. You know, you know that, that, that hope BS from 2008? Cruz gives us true, true, true hope. I mean, true hope. Well, and, and, and here's why. Because, again, you know, I have qualms about Cruz. I don't think Cruz is 100% no, he's not. perfect. I, I, don't, I don't have serious qualms. I have some disagreements with him. That's what I would also say. Also with Reagan. I mean, there, there, are, there are these so-called social issues, gay marriage and abortion. I just wish he would leave those alone and focus as State Defiance in the chat room says over here, solely, <laughs> focus solely on fiscal issues, Tom, fiscal Tom, responsibility. Tommy's do some, some soul searching, I mean, honestly. <laughs> but even, even though I have those disagreements with him, his primary message is that he wants to reduce the size and scope of federal government. He wants to reduce the federal government's control over our lives, and he wants to drastically reduce spending. This is the message that I get from Ted Cruz. He also is strong on foreign policy, unlike Rand Paul, about whom yes. I'm suspicious, especially because of his father. Yes. 
all of this stuff, I think I think he's quite good. But I don't think he's just a typical neocon on foreign policy either. I'm hoping that that's not. I don't think he is. In any event, you've got this guy whose essential thrust is reducing the size and scope of government. This is what he would want to get elected on. And I don't see his interest as clashing with ours. I think that if he achieves his political goals, assuming he wants to go all the way to president, I think that the country benefits. And I don't think that we benefit by sticking with establishment GOP. Again, I think we've tried and tried and tried that. And again, I'm shocked that Thomas Sowell is shoveling this kind of crap. I mean, it's actually shocking. I mean, he, he's been a good guy. He's been criticizing the GOP establishment for years. You know, he, this is one of the famous lines. He goes, the GOP's favorite exercise is running for the hills. That's what he said for years. And now he's flipping. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's incredible. Before we go on to the next piece, which is actually defending Cruz, I want to take a call. By the way, if you want to join in on the discussion, call 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And let's see who this is. Hi, who's this? Hi, Tammy. Sorry, uh, Tammy, sorry. Hi, Amy. Hey, Bosch. How are you guys today? I am uh, honored to have the confusion. Who is this? Uh, my name is Mike Kralos. I've called into the, to the, to the program once before. Hey, Mike. And, uh, hi, Mike. Hi, hi, hi guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, read, I haven't read uh, the other pieces Thomas Sowell wrote. I wrote, I guess, the first one uh, a couple of days ago online. And, right. uh and, and like Bosch said, this reminds me so much of uh, 1976 yeah. when Reagan brought up a primary challenge against President Ford. And uh, Mark Levin talks about this a lot because he worked uh, for Reagan in both 76 and 80. Uh, and it's it's eerily similar. And And the only way I can make sense of it is this is going to have to play out almost just like that, I think. Maybe even more so because the GOP has entrenched itself to the left even more than it was back in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to take four, maybe six years uh, for someone like Ted Cruz, a candidate like that, who wants to, who wants to uh, bring genuine fiscal conservatism to the forefront in the federal government, it's going to take maybe another presidential election after this one for someone like that to come to the front with a genuine groundswell of uh, support from people on the ground behind him like Reagan had in 1980. 76, he came really close. Uh, I, I just think, Mike, I'm sorry. I just think, you know, no, one no, thing, go ahead, the situation is so dire today far more than it was back then. This is a post, yeah. it will be a post-Obama America. I think anything goes at that point. I really think a cruise could possibly get through at that point. I mean, it, you know, because we can't, we can't use that. I mean, we can use it to an extent. You know what it as, is? You know what it is? I mean, it, it's like post-9-11. And George Bush, ugh, ugh. George W. Bush, he had the opportunity to fight a real war against our real enemies. With the backing at of all of moment, America. At that moment, at that moment. Because America, America, I mean, we were just attacked. We were in shock. Everyone was putting Let's Roll bumper stickers on our bumpers and flying American flags. And we had that opportunity. He and, he, and he Iran. squandered it. He, he could have nuked it. Iran and not have too much fault or blowback for that. He could have. And, I think, and he, I think if the GOP got behind Cruz, yeah. 
We could push it all the way. No, well, they doubt. won't. I mean, no, they won't. Mike, Mike Brings up a good point. They will fight him to, to the death, kicking and screaming into the Tea Party. They will. But at this time, I think they might lose out because of the absolute rage in American people right now. It's a kind of rage that was almost subdued back then because we were, we were so beaten up by this shocking president uh, from Carter. You know, they use the term, it was a malaise. It was. It wasn't a rage. It was a malaise in the country. Now we're heading on, on, on the verge of absolute rage, and that could help along, you know, make, make this a little quicker than it would be back then. Just, just my assumption. I hope it's true. I hope I'm right. Well, we'll I, 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 that's, a, that, that's, a, that's a fair point to bring up. I think there's far more, there's far more anger, genuine yeah. Uh, genuine visceral anger, and it's not pointed at uh, it's not pointed as much at a single person. Right. Like right. This is a, like this is a, like this is it's all pointed at Washington fault. at large. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. at Washington at large, which yeah. is very yeah. different. Yeah, you know, yeah, because because, not... because because Republicans could could have claimed to be still a small government party back then. They can't do that anymore. That's it's over. They have proven themselves yeah, exactly. to be big government hacks. Yeah, exactly, and 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 it's not it, it's not all like it, it's all Obama's fault. It's no. Obama's just Obama's just Obama's the face of it. He's the front man. He is yes. the mask behind right. the agenda that 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 you guys know as well over a century old in terms of yep. uh, uh, progressive leftism in the United States at least. Yep. Uh, and, and and he is just he is just the tip of the spear, and no what's behind it. it is 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 an army that's over a century old, an army of generation after generation, who have just bought into frickin' uh, progressivism, leftism, hook, line, and sinker, and think and think it's actually good because yep. it'll because it'll bring America to its knees, which is what they really want. And yep. uh, and 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 the anger that you talk about, Bosch, uh, it's not just from seeing America's. Uh, reputation and place in the world being diminished day by day. You see it on the news every day, for God's sake. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's about people, unfortunately, people like me. I got laid off from a job in October of 2010 because of the economy. You know, the, the company I worked for had to. They would have went out of business. Right. And, uh, and, and so I've gone from job to job to job since then, from one temp job after another after another, because every business that I'm able to work for, they're either taking a really, really long time to find someone permanent that they want for a given position, or they've just decided and they've told agencies that I've registered for and worked through that we just want to go from one good temp to another good temp to another good temp to fill this position. We're not really looking for anybody on the payroll anymore. We're looking for right. people I mean, they, to just fill they, the seat that are they, decent um, to get the job done. They don't. Because, they don't because, know. They don't know what's coming next. They don't know what's coming next. You know chaos. that that's that's the, the problem. Well, yeah, and they and they've and they, they they've given up on being uh, patient or trying to guess what the hell's going to happen from one month to the next, from one year to the next, because they've lost. It's <laughs> coined the word. They've lost hope and they've lost faith in in uh, in in government's role in society and government's role in relationships. Well, again, I mean, you know, just just go totally flipped on its head. Right. Just 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 look at the health insurance industry. Right. Imagine if you were working in the health insurance industry in December of 2013. This 
year during the Obamacare rollout. And Obama gets up on a podium and one day says, you're going to do this, and the next day, no, the deadline's that. And, hey, why don't you yeah. give them insurance even though they haven't paid anything? And you can't even figure out what you're supposed to be doing tomorrow, much less next week. It's chaos by design. I mean, that's what it is. All right. Uh, and, well, and yeah, I mean, it, it, exactly. it, you know, integrate that with the Joker from the Dark Knight yeah. <laughs> Rise. I mean, Dark Knight, Dark Knight, right? Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Yeah. And, and in the Dark Knight, he said that the, you know, the way that he achieved his basically destruction and chaos was by following absolutely no rules at all. And right. that's, and that's what we have right now. That's what we're chaos. getting. And it, it just seems it seems to be getting worse. But let me let me ask you this question, just to switch a little bit. Did you check out Tammy's column on Mitt Romney for 2016? I I, I haven't re- I've read I've read the other one she put out. I haven't read that one yet. I heard her I heard so, her talk about it uh, briefly on the show, but I haven't read it. So the the essence of it is she's saying, well, look, things would have been better if Mitt was elected, and here are some of the things, the horrible things that have happened that wouldn't happen. And in some ways that she's right. But at the end, it's interesting. And this is my question for you, Mike. At the end, she says, well, maybe there could be a Romney Cruz ticket for 2016. So my question for you, because you were just talking a little while ago, Mike, about the there was going to have to be a bigger, maybe worse internal battle within the Republican Party than there was at the time of Reagan or, you know, leading up to Reagan. Could you see... Romney Cruz even getting together at all? Could you ever see that happening? Uh, not, not from, not from uh, the side of Ted Cruz saying I have to partner up with X person, whoever that person is. If it's Romney, if it's Christie, if it's somebody else, to uh, sort of get my foot in the door to get in line to run for president myself. I could definitely see. Uh, the mainline GOP, uh, even bringing Mitt Romney again, because Mitt Romney, quite frankly, uh, is a uh, candidate with problems. A blind man could see that. But in terms of just being a decent, good, honorable person, he's from, from that standpoint, I think he's as good a candidate as the GOP has put up in a long, long time because uh, he's a good, solid, decent man who you can't attack on character no matter how hard you try. And the Democrats tried in 2012 to attack his character, and they really couldn't. The only thing they could come up with was the dog on the rope story. That was pretty much it. So do you think the GOP establishment I, would go for that? If, well, if, if, if things keep going the way they're going in terms of the backlash from Tea Party and uh, genuine uh, fiscal conservatives, the backlash to the mainline GOP from their attacks on the Tea Party. I think uh, it could get to a, it could reach a point of critical mass where the GOP realizes if we don't put a, a Tea Partier on the ticket, at least at vice president, then we may not have a future. And I th- and, and I think that could come uh, that could come sooner rather than later. Uh, especially if uh, if the GOP puts up somebody uh, in 2016 and gets whipped, uh, the GOP is going to be, I think, on the brink of extinction at that point. 
and their only way to resurrect any hope of their future existence, if you're going to keep putting up uh, Northeastern liberals for president, is to is to put someone with Tea Party support on the ticket. If they don't, mm-hmm. then the Republican Party is either going to turn into a conservative party or the, the, the GOP is going to become extinct and another party is going to fill the vacuum. The uh, Tea Party, so we I hope, can, right? I, oh, of course. Uh, it, it'd be nice to see... Uh, It'd be nice to see a sort of, uh, for me and from my standpoint, a rebirth of Goldwater slash Reagan conservatism in this country. Uh, One thing also, uh, sorry, about 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 Goldwater, uh, people try to say, well, look what happened to Goldwater. Goldwater was fighting against the uh, just murdered uh, John John F. Kennedy. He's fighting against the Americans' sympathy for that. So they fell for, well, let's continue the John F. Kennedy legacy. To hell with this, with this other guy. And if that wasn't the case, it could have been different. So it wasn't Goldwater oh, yeah, the mood, it, it, uh, the mood yeah. of the country. No doubt oh, about it. That, that was a big part of it. And, and but, but they tried to use that, that against. But but they tried to use that against the uh, the uh, Tea Party type mentality. Like, well, that's what you get for having a Tea Party type mentality. BS. Oh, yeah. of course. And and and, and the, the interesting thing, uh, I don't know, uh, HBO put out a documentary a couple of years ago about Barry Goldwater that was done by his granddaughter, I think. And uh, the interesting thing I learned from that that I didn't know was that Goldwater and John F. Kennedy were really good friends. And they became friends when Kennedy was in the Senate. And Goldwater really liked Kennedy. He's a sharp, bright guy. Uh, and Kennedy was very fiscally conservative, by the way. That's something the Democrats refused to admit, even if called on it. Uh, and uh, they saw eye to eye on a lot of things. And when Goldwater was running for president in '63, uh, uh, this is before Kennedy was assassinated. They they got together and they had a plan for a whistle stop tour, a train whistle stop tour across the country together. They would be on the train together, and they would make a whistle-stop tour all over the country and have debates from the back of the train, like, like presidential candidates used to do before jet, jet air travel. They'd travel across the country on trains and talk to the people. Wow. They'd have sort of Lincoln-Douglas-style debates on a whistle-stop tour all the way across the country, and they had that plan in place before, that, before, that, before Kennedy was assassinated, and that would have been spectacular. Oh, no, that would have been... That 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 would have been amazing, because, uh, Mike. I don't... Oh no, yes. sorry. I was I, I was going to say um, I'm going to go to take another call pretty soon. But do you have any last words on this on the prospects for 2016? Uh, well, uh, the prospects. Oh boy. Uh, I, I'm 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 with you and I'm with Bosch. I think Ted Cruz is the prospect. Uh, Rand Paul is interesting, but like you said, Amy, I think he's a bit too much like his father. He is a bit of an opportunist, and uh, I, I think I think just like his dad, he'll say what he wants to say. Uh, yeah, I think I think Tammy's and, got his and, number and, on yeah. that as well. Yeah, yeah, he'll 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 say what he wants to say, and in the end, just like his dad, unfortunately, Ron Paul's been in Congress for years, but when you ask the question, what has he done to advance the agenda he so so passionately espouses? Uh, you come up with a big handful of empty, unfortunately. Right. And, uh, and, I, and I think Rand Paul is very similar to that. He's a great uh, talking head for a quote-unquote Tea Party, but he will say whatever he wants to say and do whatever he wants to do. Quite right. frankly, me, I agree. to me, a bit, like, a bit like Wendy Davis. 
it, 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 it's all it's all it's all sizzle and no steak. Whereas <laughs> Cruz uh, is right. uh, Ted Cruz is the hope. I think you guys are right. And uh, once again, uh, having grown up in Texas, uh, the people of Texas uh, every now and then really make me proud that I came from Texas because uh, the Dewhurst machine that I got to know uh, pretty well living living and working in Austin, uh, that machine was big and was behind it and the whole the whole GOP mainline machine was behind it. And Chris right. came up and kicked him right, kicked him right in the butt. And uh, I mean, that, that just made that me so is... happy. That is fabulous. Um, thank you, Mike, for calling, and Thanks, we'll Mike. definitely talk again. And I myself like to brag that I was uh, living a few years in Texas, yeah. actually quite a few years in Texas, probably a total of four or five years of my life in Texas. So I want to be maybe an honorary Texan And you sometime. inspired Ted Cruz to run. He must have saw one of your classes. And, that, that's right? got, that's well, got to be it. You, he's, he's one of your students. So. <laughs> we've, uh, we've picked up another call here. Who's this? Hi, Amy. It's Debbie. Hey, Debbie, Dave. how are you? And so what do you think about all this with uh, the attack on Ted Cruz? So glad you're talking about this. I read one of those articles from Seoul. I think it might be the one on the point of no return. And mm-hmm. I just felt a dagger going into my back when I read that because I thought Seoul was kind of on yes. our side. I mean, not that he's an objectivist, but that he was a bit more like a libertarian-ish or, or something like that. I didn't see that coming at all. Um, and yeah, I felt really betrayed. And it and it, the attack was it seemed pretty vacuous to me. I mean, yes. in the article that I read, there was he was trying to make a parallel to the Nazis, and he said that well, well right, Hitler, so this, this is this is the point. This is the point he was trying to make. He was trying to say that look, if the Republican Party is divided, then basically it's going to be like all the factions that were divided in the majority who opposed Hitler. In the 1930s. So if basically if all the Republicans don't get together, and of course that means get together behind the establishment Republicans, then basically we're letting the next Hitler take over as dictator. Yeah, and the thing that was so crazy about that, I just wanted to shout like through my computer (laughs) to Thomas Sowell, was, so are you saying that if they had all just agreed to lay down and let Hitler run rampant over their backs, that somehow they could have defeated him by uniting in that way, okay. because Perfect. that's essentially what the establishment GOP does. They just lay down and they let yes. Obama do whatever he wants, and and it's almost like Sol is saying that we need more of that, and that that's the solution. It's Shocking. crazy. Shocking. I mean, the the way he seems to be saying again is he says, well, you know, we just that's have to your we, just, we, just, we just have to realize, you know, we don't have power right now. And, of course, the, the Republican establishment does have power right now. They have the House. They have John Boehner able to control what legislation comes to the floor in the House. They are not using that power. Mm-hmm. What makes us think that if we hand the GOP establishment power in 2014 that they're going to do anything with they it? They gave us Obama. During the Bush years, they, the, the presidency, the Senate, the Republican House, all three gave us Obama. That's the whole point. That's right. Yeah. Oh and God. the government grew under Bush at an unprecedented exactly. rate, unprecedented I mean, until Obama came along and doubled down. Exactly. He was the biggest spending president in history before Obama. And that's supposed to be yeah. a good, a good, that we want to get back to that? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what we want. Yeah, it's it's not going to do anything. I mean, I know that Thomas Sowell is not a stupid person, and no. he can't be ignorant of the fact that that is the case about the government having grown and all these new entitlements having been passed and only you know bad what? things happening. He's 83. I got to say that. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not an ageist, but man, I'm shocked that he actually pulled this because he has the arguments against his own position, and he's written about arguments against his own current position. State Defiance in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, next week's soul column says, get off my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. (laughs) Uh, You know, but this this is the thing. And I get get sucked into these jokes, and yeah, you you make them funny, Bosh, but I don't want to attack him because of his age, and Uh, I don't want to psychologize him because of his age. No, no, what I'm saying is he's been so good for so long, Uh and this one is such a stinker. I was like, wait a minute, what the hell is this about? He didn't have the the mental sharpness to realize that he was writing a real stinker. I mean, I don't know. It's not good. And the editor said, well, that's Thomas Sowell. Let it go, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. It's, I mean, if it's some, if it's some kind of corruption on his part or if he – I just don't know what to make of it. I mean, he, he's, he's not stupid, and, no. and, he, and he has to know. What the, crews the, represent? The, the last time that we had an establishment Republican majority, it was a disaster, and that that's yeah. why the Democrats swept in 2006 Absolutely. and 2008, is because people were sick of the Republicans growing government, and they thought maybe, well, nothing could be worse than this, and then, oops, turns out they were wrong about that. But going also, back to what, it, it's not going to help. No, and also, what was the biggest, the biggest election, uh, last slide that Republicans had, 2010? Why? Because of Tea Party. Because of Tea Party, and, and, and Seoul leaves that out also. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and the base is nothing but hostile. The base is at war with the Tea yes. Party, who gave them that victory. And the, the, the last time before that, that there was a significant victory for the GOP was Reagan. Or, yeah. no, actually, 94, which was, again, like Newt right, Gingrich's right, right, right. whole thing. That was also along the lines of a wave of... of Republicans in response to a Democrat power grab, and then before that, Reagan. And it's always the same thing. It's it's very obvious, like, what wins electorally in the Republican Party. No doubt about it. And and landslides also. There were absolute landslides, back-to-back. That hasn't happened in who knows how long. I mean, the last time it happened was Reagan. Before that, I can't even say. Mm -hmm. It just goes back to what I said before, which is that this talk of electability and, well, we have to be practical and so on, is BS. Yes. And anyone can look at history. You don't have to be smart or educated. You just have to be able to read and, you know, understand that, like, that 49 states is more than however many states George W. Bush won. You don't have to do a whole lot of fancy thinking in order to understand what's going on and what actually does win. And that they keep saying that we need more of this garbage like Boehner. It's absolutely good for nothing. We, I mean, we, know, we have had no high contrast election no. since, since Reagan. We no, have no. not had hardcore contrast. None. No. And, 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 I, and I still stick by my characterization of Mitt Romney as the fruitcake, <laughs> the fruitcake of candidates. And by that, I mean, it's like the fruitcake that everybody gives to each other at Christmas. Nobody likes it, but they think other people like it. Huh. So they buy it. That's right. that, I mean, every, everybody thinks that, you know, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't like Romney myself, but I think other people will vote yeah, for him. So, so I'll, I'll support him. him. That's bizarre. Can we just put this just that's so bizarre. Oh, you want to you play a little it, clip of Romney? I want to play a little clip of Romney to, okay. to show how 
committed he was and still is to uh, socialized medicine. Hang on, uh, hang on, Deborah. We're going to play this little okay. clip. This is from this is from a number of years ago. I think uh, maybe while he was running. I don't know what. It, I think maybe the first time he was running, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay. Anyway, this is this is uh, to show you who Romney is. It doesn't matter. He's a nice guy, good guy, good businessman, whatever. He was so committed to uh, socialized medicine that that's the one thing that people had to hit him on. Of course, Democrats wouldn't hit him on that because they have Obamacare. But that's why I canceled out the biggest thing that Republicans could have taken out Obama with, Obamacare. And they didn't do it because they had Romney care with them. So this is Romney talking at this one town hall meeting or whatever. And this one lady asked a question about uh, global health care initiative, blah, blah, blah. And this was his answer. Did you notice that Lebanon, what Hezbollah did? Lebanon became a democracy some time ago, and while, uh, while their government was getting underway, Hezbollah went into southern Lebanon and provided health clinics to some of the people there. Now, I don't know if I have to let more uh, you know, be heard, but this guy is basically using Hezbollah, a terrorist group. Their mission is to murder people for political reasons as to try to sell health care in a good way, and we need to consider things like that, what they did. I mean, it's, it's just shocking you, to me. You, you give away health care, and, and you're popular, and people forget your sins. But what he's That's saying it. is he's, used, he's invoking a terrorist group in order to sell socialized medicine as a value to someone who asked him a question, an American who asked him a question about that, and saying, you know what? Socialized medicine is good. That's how far this guy is willing to go. That's how committed he is to socialized medicine. It's just uh, that's, that's Mitt Romney in a nutshell to me, and that's why he lost, because they could have taken Obama down on, on Obamacare alone if they beat him over it again and again and again, and they didn't. And that's why he got past Romney. Since we're talking about Mitt, I want to go ahead and go quickly jump to Tammy's column. She has a weekly column over at Washington Times. I really love Tammy. There's a lot of things that I agree with her about, but I'm not so sure about this Mitt thing. Um, actually, when I put the link on my blog at don'tletitgo.com, I put the link to the third page. It's one of these ones that you have to click through to all three, so you have to get back to page one. But what she talks about, in effect, is, yeah, I've got my complaints about Mitt Romney, but if Mitt Romney had been elected, then, you know, some bad things that have happened would not have happened. So here's the list of things that if we had Mitt Romney would not have happened. One is if a Republican had been in the White House, I guess just any Republican, uh, either, uh, either John McCain or Mitt Romney, Border Patrol agent Brian Terry would be alive today. Okay, so that's good. Uh, some 300 Mexican kill, that were killed by drug cartels using Operation Fast and Furious guns would still be alive. Benghazi would not have it ha- you know, happened. Ambassador J. Christopher Stevens, Tyrone Wood, Glenn Doherty, and Sean Smith would be enjoying their lives. Uh, there would not have been a scapegoated YouTube video maker sitting in jail. Uh, Mr. Obama wouldn't be spying on Cheryl Atkinson. Big government wouldn't have been rolled back. Uh, that's true. Uh, we wouldn't have lost Egypt, Libya, and Syria. Ukraine wouldn't be on fire approaching civil war. We wouldn't be making it easier for Iran to get the bomb. Ha! Sorry. I think we would have. Yes. You know, Bush <laughs> um, uh, said, remember that? They will not get the bomb. He did nothing against it. That's why I have this one cartoon, I ran, about all the six past presidents who allowed Iran to do to, to get a nuke. Decades of bipartisan appeasement but, of Iran. I, I think about what this says about our, our enemies also. Iran has been around for 30 plus years. The, the, the new Iran, right? The Republic, the Islamic Republic. They still, haven't, they, they still don't have nukes. That's how lame our enemies are. 
they still can't get a nuke. The nukes have been in here for 50, 60 years, and they still can't get a nuke. That's how pathetic they are. Right. But that's how pathetic we are to allow them to have the time to get it. Solyndra would not have existed. I wouldn't be so sure about stuff like that. The NSA would be spying on terrorists instead of on every single American. I don't know that that's you know, true. Now that the NSA has the capability, they had planned right. to do all of this data By the way, state defined uh, you know, brings up something that, that we brought up before, and it's absolutely true. Uh, the, different, the only difference between Obama and Romney, Romney doesn't hate his country. It's true. Romney does not hate America. But that's not, you know, think about the standard now. Well, he doesn't hate America. We need a patriot in the White House. That's a whole thing. And she says you'd still have your health insurance, your doctor, and your hospital. No, I don't know necessarily. I don't think so. I mean, he, okay, he, he okay, wanted okay, one, to one more thing. One, one more thing. Romney at one point said, I will repeal Obamacare. Then another point he said, I will repeal and replace through the election months after he comes out. Well, I would change Obamacare if he was president. I, I would be changing it today, meaning I change the name to, to Romneycare. Peek off Boston for 2016. <laughs> oh my gosh! If if Ted Cruz doesn't have a hope of getting elected, imagine me trying to get elected. Oh my gosh, that would be. Well, you know, I was thinking though. I, I I don't know at what point you are qualified enough to try to actually run for a political office, say Congress. Right. I do know that uh, there's some Republican congressmen around here, and I guess I should look at their records to see. Right what they've been voting for well, and whether you, there's somebody who needs to be challenged as a Republican. Well, to get ahead quick, you've you got to be corrupt and a liar and, <laughs> and a thief. If you want to get, but if, you want, if you're playing the long game, then you can actually be a good guy. You can actually be principled through, yeah. and maybe actually get elected. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so, the, you know, she, she says, look, you know, I'm not this great fan of Romney, but there's things that would have been better if Romney had been elected. And you know not what? We Obama. wouldn't have had this kind of anger that we have right now that we want to flip Washington at large, not just Obama, but in the entire disgusting system of these statists. Uh, we wouldn't have that kind of anger, and that's important to have right now, especially because we want to revolutionize uh, this government. We want to flip this government. We want to basically gut it of all the rats who've, who've destroyed us in a lot of ways. And we wouldn't get that with this slow, slow, draining uh, death uh, that, that Romney would do. Uh, Obama's out to kill us. Romney's out to bleed, you know, for years, let's just say. But Obama, Obama's out to outright murder us. Right. You know, he wants to leave a scar on America. No, but I, mean, I, I just don't think that government would be any smaller. Absolutely not. That's, I, the, whole, that's the whole point. I think, I think the scope of the government would still increase, but it would be Romney's pet project. And it would be destructive. No matter his nice guy intentions, who gives a crap? It would be destructive because big government is by nature destructive. It's by nature tyrannical. And and if you had if you had a Romney Cruz ticket, and then the idea was that Romney was supposed to be able to be there for That's two impossible. terms, don't you think also. don't you think that he would do to Cruz the same thing that George W. Bush did to Cheney? Yes. Cheney was decent compared to George W. Bush. Absolutely. But basically, he was locked away no in a cellar. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Not allowed to do it. One thing also, just just a record about what Mitt Romney today thinks about Ted Cruz. When Mitt, Mitt Romney asked. Who do you see for 2016? He goes, ah, oh, Chris Christie at the top. He says Chris Christie has a whole other list, does not have Ted Cruz anywhere near that list, not the bottom even. So that's what, that's what Romney thinks about Ted Cruz. Now, Ted Cruz did say about Romney after the third debate, he goes, he basically French-kissed Obama. <laughs> Maybe that struck a chord with, uh, with Romney. He, you know, he hasn't forgotten that. But what I'm, what I'm saying is Ted Cruz, uh, T Romney can't stand Ted Cruz. Uh, Ted Cruz is the anti-Romney. If, if Ted Cruz had built his political capital prior to 2012 and ran against uh, Obama, he could have 
kicked his ass. This is my assumption. He really could have beat him because that's what we, we needed a guy who would kick some ass. And we had instead we had Mitt Romney. You know, we had Mitt Romney who stinks. Do you think, I mean, let's not even talk about it. Let's go back on to this Soul versus Cruz debate here. And I want to go to, this is the red state piece that argues that Thomas Soul has in fact made the case for Ted Cruz. <laughs> so if you truly believe that it is, you know, on the edge of the cliff right yeah. now, we're at the point of no return, we need to do something, otherwise we're going to be in big trouble this is all the stuff that Ted Cruz uniquely in Washington has been saying. Almost nobody else is trying to fight this rush to run over the cliff, you know, forward over the cliff, as they say. Ted Cruz is the guy who's been doing this. And really what the red state piece makes, you know, they say, well, look, it is important that we all get together. But what the establishment Republicans and what Sol are saying is they're just parsing over who should we get behind. And this is the place where I think red state is actually too charitable to Seoul and or the establishment GOP. Seoul is highly regarded, highly regarded. That's why people are shocked. I think people are shell-shocked at the point where they're like, whoa, I love this guy, so he must have a point. And that's the problem. He still has some kind of influence over this. Say, you know, you know he might have a point here. Let's go for the, for the, for the establishment, which, which is the danger. Right. And, but I think what the, the piece is trying to make the point that it, it's just what sort of purity are we supposed to get behind right so you know soul says don't you know go for this purity because you're just going to fail and everything and they're saying no no it's you know it's just it's just about the type of purity that you're going to get behind the establishment has its own brand of purity uh, no, etc and and my they have nothing they have uh you know promote government period well and and the way i see the establishment republicans again is that they're indistinguishable yeah in many ways from the democrats they are and so it's not about which type of purity to no, get behind. Of course not. It is That's a silly um, observation, actually. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to make any sense here. No, it doesn't. So um, I think what I think what he's saying is, well, Thomas Sowell is Thomas Sowell, so he must have ha he must have a point, even if I can't see it. So therefore, I would I would I will consider this. Doesn't make sense. I don't know. Is wait, it, wait, wait. Uh, State of Finance says Tammy keeps saying Cruz can't work with people. Personally, I don't want to. no. Absolutely not. You don't want him working with rats who are destroying a country. That's that's not how you fix a country. You fight them. I mean, you know, here's, logically speaking, here's the you thing. fight I've, them I've seen Cruz in the lion's den. Oh, yeah. When he goes to the liberal mainstream media and he has these hostile interviews. Yeah. And he's perfectly polite and cordial, but he doesn't take any garbage. No. That That's what you want. I mean, talk about... Talk about what people allegedly what talk about what people allegedly want right we supposedly want a civil a politics we want civil washington all that crap there's nobody more diplomatic than ted cruz and i mean that more so than obama obama they bring a knife we'll bring a gun that's diplomatic cruz would that would never pop out of his mouth ever so in terms of uh, politics in terms of of a, of a good politician he's a very good politician even in that sense he doesn't get ugly doesn't get cheap he doesn't call you know, uh, John McCain, all the names books that John McCain would would call him. He doesn't do that. So that's BS, that garbage. He's the most civil out there, but he has the most to say. And, and, and again, he's the most hated. And that's supposed to be supposedly a bad thing, to be most hated by the most hated people in, in America, politicians. Well, and one thing that Seoul 
admitted in his second piece that, again, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com, and I have a link to all these pieces that we're talking about. But in Seoul's second piece, The Cruise Control Part 2, he talks about the fact that the Republican Party has left a void, a huge void. And in particular, they have given up on the idea of articulating any sort of principled message to the American people, any sort of principled explanation for the stands that they're taking. And he admits in there that Cruz is able to articulate a principled message. And, and that's unimportant to him. Principled defensive no, but, and no, that's he, unimportant to a soul? No, he, he, he thinks it's important, but he, he criticizes the establishment for not doing that. At the same time, you know, soul is basically saying, look, Republicans have to get behind a common purpose, and of course the common purpose is the default one established by the mainstream GOP. I mean, here's the red state, um, you know, the piece at the end. And and what I I agree with in the red state is this. They're calling out the fact that the establishment GOP is assuming that they're the guy, and they're not supposed to be the guy. I think the people that we need to get behind now are the ones who have – and articulate a unique principled message about reducing the size and scope of government. And the most important thing right now, the most important thing this year, which Seoul does not seem to talk about, is that Ted Cruz needs backup, big time. He needs some Tea Party activist people running for office in 2014, these midterms, knocking out the squishy Republicans, knocking out some Democrats, and getting some backup to get this movement seriously going, because we need it big time. And and, uh, that Seoul can't see that right now, I don't know. I, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, he's going to have to rethink some things because uh, that's embarrassing. People want to join in on the discussion, call 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. I think, Debbie, we lost you. Do call back if you want to chime in again on this. But again, Red State, I think they're good in terms of analyzing Seoul's peace, but they're, I think, a little bit too charitable. Yes. The implication is, well... They're just saying that you should get behind their style of <laughs> republicanism stupid. versus Cruz. Obviously, they, they prefer they prefer Cruz, but they're yes. just saying, you know, it's just two different flavors but, but of what the this. common purpose what should be. Do, what does the Republican Party stand for today, except big government, in all seriousness? What do they stand for today? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Zero. No. There is no, no purity there. No. Nothing. So, you know, I I disagree with the two basic assumptions here. I disagree, first of all, that these people can win. The assumption assumption is that these establishment guys can win against the evil Democrats. But, oh, you inexperienced Tea Party, you radical Tea Party people, you don't know what you're doing. You can't beat these big, bad Democrats. Why don't you just go home and play with your toys or something? Um, you know, that somehow the the pure message is not anything that's going to resonate with voters. So that's one bad assumption. And then the other assumption is that when these guys do get their majority, that they're going to do anything on behalf of the country. And they are not. And, you know, if they don't do that, they basically, they expand government and make it bigger. And Democrats go out there and put it in overdrive. They've always done that. Always have done that. And Thomas Sowell seems fine with it. It's just it's 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 embarrassing, and he should be dismissed from here on. I mean, to me, he's gone. It's over. Especially not just one piece, three pieces, doubling down, tripling down on this on this thing. I and mean, to to me, he's done. It's over. He had a good run, Tom. You know, it's over. <laughs> 
You are listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is Amy Peekoff, Bosch Faustin. This show is brought to you by Audible. If you would like a free trial at Audible and also help support the show, go to audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peekoff, A-M-Y-P-E-I-K-O. And let's go ahead and continue this discussion of the war on Ted Cruz with an interesting question. I think this is a very interesting question, and it is whether politics is war and whether you can take lessons from the literal battlefield and put those lessons to work, make anything of those lessons, right. apply them to the political arena. Right. That's the, the question. So remember in the, in the first hour we were talking about Soul's argument that we are on the brink of no return. We need to unify if we're going to win in 2014. Assumption is we have to unify behind the establishment GOP because that's worked so well before in the past. It's won us elections. It's uh, can I, can gotten, I, you know, can I call it's, him it's, Thomas sold out from now on. I mean, really, Thomas sold out. That's it. Unify or go home, as Red State was basically saying. And I, you know, again, I agree with them. They're they're questioning the assumption, but I think Red State was just a little bit too charitable yes. for the option of unifying behind these horrible GOP <laughs> establishment people. But they they definitely exposed the root of it, which is the the assumption is you've got to unify behind the establishment. With Republicans That's like these, who do. needs Democrats? That's the whole argument against them. They're terrible. So now we've got the analogy to war. This is a piece called The Lesson of Dunkirk. It is posted over at townhall.com. Third piece against Cruz. Yeah, third, yeah, third piece against Cruz in yeah, a week. Yeah, this is Thomas Although sold this, out. The, third, the second third piece, piece is not really so much against Cruz, but just saying that I think the was, establishment I, GOP has, has left open this vacuum. Yes. Now listen, keep in mind, he wrote that actually got big time heat for that first one. So he had to go in there and say, mm, I wasn't critical of the, of the GOP establishment. Well, well, they suck. It's like, well, that's the whole point. So you're arguing against yourself, anyway. True, true. But he's still saying that basically they have left open this vacuum for Ted Cruz and left the opportunity for Ted Cruz to cause all this horrible, destructive division. Ted in Cruz the is GOP. one senator, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He can destroy the GOP. But now it, look, it sorry. Shows you. If Thomas Sowell thinks Ted Cruz can destroy the GOP, then he could revive them also, Tom. You know? I, I think that's exactly right. It, it just shows you what one person articulating a principled yes. message can Absolutely. do if he plays his cards I mean, right. And that's what he does. He's called terrorist by his opponents. <laughs> I mean, this is how taken they are by this guy. They can't believe this guy. He's like, he, they act as if he has the power of the presidency behind him now. Imagine how they'll act if he becomes president. I mean, they'll think the world's over. The world has ended. You know, and this idea that the shutdown, the horrible shutdown is blamed. Who talks about the anyway, shutdown today, yeah. except the Republicans? Right. I mean, who? Right. 72521 in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, Cruz can destroy the GOP? What GOP? Yeah. And that's right. If, if Cruz can destroy the GOP right. by articulating a principled message of reducing the size and the scope of the federal government, then good riddance. I mean, that's what I say, and that's Look, what so many of us are saying now. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that when he comes into power, I think they know that he will do what he says he'll do and roll back government. That means they will get less of their 
lifestyle, Goody. less of their power. It's absolutely true. He's yeah. a threat to the to their, to their existence because right now they're sitting pretty. You know, uh, Boehner has a tanning saloon. He has a new place now in Florida. He just bought him in. He's been making it. And he's like, this guy's going to try to get in the way of that? Absolutely not. And I swear that has a lot to do with it. I mean, if you really think about these guys, the nature of these guys, 100%. He's like, he, he wants to stop this gravy train? Absolutely not. I think that's really where they are. And again, Boehner. Boehner did not have to put the so-called clean spending bill on the floor last week. That's what left Ted Cruz with only that opportunity to show everybody what is going on in Washington. But let's let's go to this piece by Soul and consider consider his argument here for a second. Okay, what he says is in effect that politics is like war, and in war, what you learn is that sometimes. You need to not fight a battle in order to save your soldiers for the ability for them to fight another day. And what Cruz is doing is he's fighting certain battles. And in fighting these battles, he's so-called sacrificing his soldiers, the soldiers being the establishment GOP people who voted for cloture last week, right, They're being sacrificed. Why? Because this black mark is put on their voting record and those people might be primaried out. And what Seoul is assuming is that these guys who voted for cloture, who might get primaried out, that they will not be replaced by a Tea Party or GOP person who's better. What's going to happen is that seat might go to the Democrats and so that we could lose the larger war. That's his argument. What do you make of the argument, Bosch? I know that, again, 2010. Why did the GOP have a landslide against Democrats? Why? Why? Because of the GOP? Absolutely not. Because of the Tea Party. Because of this anti-Obama passion in the country right now. That's why. Not because of GOP. And they have never thanked them publicly. They never, ever acknowledged the existence of it. They have tried to pretend that it was them. And uh, I think they're going to come, you know, I think despite how bad they are, I think they will have the same thing come this time, but I think there'll be a lot more true Tea Party candidates running this time. I really believe that. And also to knock out the establishment Republicans. That's the whole point. It's the leadership. You've got to kill them. You've got to kill the leadership. Since we're talking about war. Right. Politically speaking, it's, it's a political war. You've got to knock out Mitch McConnell, John Boehner, Cantor, McCarthy, Paul Ryan, all these rats. Once you get those guys out, the soldiers listen to the generals, which would be a Cruz, uh, a Mike Lee, uh, uh, a, a, a Paul. That's what you need. You need to flip the leadership. Don't worry about these soldiers. Who were, I mean, we have the greatest soldiers on earth. What have they done in the last decade? They've not been allowed to be who they are. They've not been allowed to wipe out the Well, enemy. now you're talking about the pure military um, issue. But, but but, no, what I'm saying here is soldiers listen to the leadership. They follow the leadership's lead. Mm-hmm. They do what the leadership wants them to do. This guy's saying what? I mean, what's he saying here? You know, you know, soul. In terms of, you have Ted Cruz, you have the old guys in leadership positions, and the soldiers believe them, what they're doing, they will do what they ask them to do. They will likely, they will do, it won't be any real um, mutiny on there. Right. Because they'll know that these guys have kicked butt, 
and they're in the leadership now, and we want to take back the, this country. So they don't have the the soldiers have no one to believe in. Well, here, Are they going to follow here. John Boehner's lead? Okay, so 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 listen to. The, I mean, we, we're supposed to accept this analogy, right? We're supposed to accept this analogy between. I'm sorry, I got off track. War. It's it's okay. No, it's fine. And and tell me if you think I'm getting off track with no, this. No, no, you're but, right. But you know this, this analogy between war. And politics, yeah. and so then the idea is, you know, don't sacrifice your soldiers and everything else. I think that politics and war are not the same in this way, right? Because when, when politics you, when fails you, is when you get war. I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, right. war is the the end game. That's the bottom line. When, There's no going back. Right. When you've gone to war. The premise is people are trying to kill each other, mm-hmm. like literally kill each other. So when Baj is talking a second ago, you know, kill these guys, get them out. We're talking about politics. We're yeah. talking about you know, get these people out of office, mm-hmm. vote somebody else in. So, but it, it's not the case, right? That if you have to vote on something a particular way, that therefore you are completely killed. I mean, is that like political death? I, you know, I, I don't know. But the other thing, too, is that in politics, what you're doing in some of these things is you are trying to persuade people about what the right way to go it's is. An you know, war. By, by the it's time, a political war. By the time you're in war, right? Yeah. By the time That's you're over. in war, you've given up the idea of convincing other people. You are, as they say, killing people and breaking things. You've resorted to that. That's where you are. And, you know, Sol tries to make an idea like he's saying, you know, don't don't make a symbolic stand. So he's he's trying to, you know, say that there's something about politics and war that is the same, that like sometimes you might try to have a losing battle in order to make a symbolic stand. But he's Reagan saying no. Reagan did this all the time. When Reagan lost against Democrats and even some of his uh, party, he made the argument. He went out there and said this. He made it clear this is the difference between my party, right. what we're doing, and the Democrats, and he had two back-to-back landslides. That contributed to those, to those landslides. They knew that, well, this guy, he might lose these, these certain battles, but ultimately he's going to do the right thing. And that's why he wins. And that's why you've got to make the argument. What did uh, Thatcher say? First, you, 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 know, you, you win the argument. Then you win. But you've got to make the argument. You've got to make the argument. That's what Cruz is doing. Cruz spends a lot of his time arguing about these issues. In very articulate ways. I mean, he really gets to the core of these things, unlike a lot of politicians can do. Win the argument, then win elections? Thatcher? I think that's what it is. Thatcher? Yeah, yeah, Thatcher. Why? What did I say? No, 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 no. I just want to make sure that's Thatcher. No, I think, and and if if I'm not mistaken, I think um, uh, Cruz has quoted that as well. Mm -hmm. And what argument has John Boehner ever made? Ever. I mean, seriously, what what intellectual argument, what political argument has he ever made? Ever. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. nothing. We don't. There's nothing he's ever well, said in any speech. And and think about this. As I recall from the news cycles last week, Boehner did not try to make any particular principled stand or speech or anything about this so-called that. clean debt oh, ceiling yeah. bill that he nothing. puts forward. So he just brings it to the floor. They pass it by a majority. I think they named it some weird name. I mean, they really tried to make it as innocuous oh, as yeah. possible. And the only person who was going to actually show what was going on, try to take any sort of stand about it, was Ted Cruz. I would say the only thing that you could criticize Cruz on is that he let them go on with it faster than he should have, maybe. If he could have kept fighting it? So, so for instance, if you go to the Strassel piece, right, 
This is the... Another hit piece by the Wall Street Journal against Cruz. This is at least yeah. the second one this week as well. Strassel says I mean, another, another misguided cruise missile. Right? If the Wall Street Journal was as against Obama as they are against Cruz, I mean, they could have had some more influence than they do. It's IBD. Investor Business Daily has the editorials. Wall Street Journal's editorials stink. Right. Now, let me see if I can find the place where she was talking about what he did. Um, by the way, just as an aside, Bill O'Reilly has called uh, Barack... Hussein Obama, a patriot. Just keep it in mind about who Bill O'Reilly is. A patriot. Barack Obama. Yeah. Right. Now, let me, let me see if I can find this place. Because what – I don't know if she said it here. I think basically she said that he did it so quickly that the only reason that he did it was to damage his colleagues. I mean, that's just so um, pathetic. She says this is the, maybe the first time a senator has used the privileges afforded him under the Senate rules to benefit a small and coordinated band of conservative campaign groups. Their number one target is McConnell, et cetera. Um, yeah, okay, so this, this is um, – no, that was, that was about the thing. I wanted to see if there is – Something about the, the amount of time. Anyway, she criticized the amount of time that basically if, if he had meant to make some sort of a point, um, that he would have spent more time before he let it go. Uh, and I, I can't seem to find that well, point, but I'm going to find well, it. Well, he had again. no backup. No, of course he had no backup. Yeah, he had no backup. And, and from what I understand, everything was done so quickly yeah. that he didn't have time to prepare, for instance, to do a filibuster. But the fact is this. We know that he opposed it. We know that he made them look bad. We know that they cannot stand him for that. That's the importance to me. With those one guy standing up against it. Right. You know, and, 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 and just saying this is unacceptable. And, and they're writing about this. So clearly he made enough <laughs> of a, uh, you know what I mean? Enough of a complaint about it where they're writing a whole piece about him. It's like it's like uh, you know, soul three back to back pieces. Yeah, here here's the here's the passage that I was thinking of. She says Cruz came in to demand a sixty vote majority to pass the increase. Mr. Cruz has subsequently claimed he alone was attempting to get Mr. Obama to agree to spending reforms. And she says, odd, given that he didn't publicly present any reforms to attach to the debt bill, he didn't even take to the floor to escalate the issue. To the contrary, he agreed to speed up the vote. Now, maybe he did that for a couple of reasons. One, Sorry, he let's say he did that. Would she applaud him? Let's say he did that. Would, would this writer applaud him for doing that? Absolutely yeah. not. No, no, she's of like, course oh, not. Oh, he's even worse than I thought. But I, I would think of a few explanations. On. One is that they did this so quickly yes. that they surprised him. And in fact, she quotes him to the, because she did an interview with him. And he says here that she actually quotes him to this effect in the same piece. She says, the debt ceiling of vote, uh, vote occurred suddenly. And it was a surprise to everybody when Republican leadership asked every Republican senator to consent to letting Harry Reid raise the debt ceiling, end quote. So if it was a surprise and yet he didn't have anything prepared to attach to it, I I think that's a very unfair criticism. And She she has made the point against herself. She made a point against herself within – I mean she put this – passage from her interview with him in the same piece in which she criticizes him for not doing anything more than he did if he was actually doing it on principle. But I would say he, it looks like he didn't have any time no. to do that. So there could be that. He didn't have time to put things forward at that point. The other thing is because he was criticized so much, 
he says, you know, he wants to say, look, I'm not going to disrupt like I did last time. You criticized me. Everybody blame me for causing a shutdown and the blah, blah, blah. I'm, so, I'm, I'm going to let my objection stand. I'm going to, yeah, let the objection stand. I'm going to do what I need to do to make this more transparent, to show people what's going on. There's a quote that Robert Nasir put here in the chat room, Blog excellent. Talk Radio, a little bit earlier. And it was, institutions that can be destroyed by the truth should be. Absolutely. And there was a writer who wrote something about ideas as well. If you can destroy <laughs> ideas, institutions by the truth, they should go down. I mean, and that's the whole thing. Uh, if, if you could destroy Barack Obama by the truth, 2008, if they vetted him, he should have been destroyed. But, of course, they didn't. They lost their ass off. You could destroy any evil ideas, Nazism, communism, Islam. I mean, you can't just merely by the truth. Telling the truth about them and, yep. and destroying them is one and the same, and also insulting them. One and the same. And, and basically what he's doing is he's going out and telling the truth about what's going on in Washington again and again and yeah. again, and these people don't like it. And the fact that it serves him or that it serves another, quote, select small group of conservatives, so much the better as far as this? I'm concerned, because as far as I know, this... Ted Cruz and a small select group of conservatives along with him are the only ones who are pushing for the true interest of the country, which is to have a government that is protecting our rights and getting out of the way. This one analogy also, they have denied reality. They hate the truth for decades. This is who they are, most of them, the vast majority of them. And they see this guy. To them, he's the personification of reality and the truth, and he's a reminder. (laughs) I mean, when when he walks up, when he walks by them, when he hears him doing things like... My God, you're reminding me what kind of rat I am. I resent that, you know. You better stop. I mean, stop reminding me of what kind of scumbag I am. Exactly. No, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. They're like, you're supposed to be one of us. What the hell are you doing here? You don't belong here. And you're, come on, guys. We all so, lie. We all cheat. So, so let's, let's go ahead to, you know, go back to this analogy. Because I want to see if you think that there's something, there so, right so, something that. to my argument here where I'm trying to say there's not a good analogy to be made here, that war is different from politics in an essential respect. And it is that you're not at that end point where all you can do is literally use force against each other. No, you're not Politics there. is supposed to be about persuasion. arguing, persuasion, voting, and it's not some all or nothing, right? Um, it's not if if these guys voted for the cloture and then they put out arguments for what they're doing, they have the power to persuade the electorate just as much as someone like Ted Cruz, who decided to go ahead and force that vote to take place, go out and persuade. That's what politics is about. It is not war. Yeah. Now, in a certain way, we can make you know we could use war as a metaphor. Political war, ideological war. Sure. You, you can say that. And that's, those are being fought. But at some point, the fact that it's a metaphor makes a difference. It's interesting because I'm reminded in my brain about someone years ago was talking about metaphors are somehow fallacies. Metaphors are not fallacies, right? You have to be cautious. And not let the metaphor go too far and, and say, okay, well, this is just like war, and so therefore these are like soldiers, and right. Ted Cruz is sacrificing the soldiers that we need in the battle. There's all sorts of underlying assumptions that I think I did a decent job of questioning of soul, and then I think we have to question whether this analogy is apt, and I don't think it's an apt analogy. I don't think you can say this is like a battlefield 
and that, you know, these guys are soldiers who are being sacrificed. They're going to die. They're not going to be able to fight in the war. There's all, I mean, if people can recover from the worst scandals in the world and still I know. be elected, the fact that they cast one vote, perhaps, perhaps erroneously, why, why can't they go out and make the case for why they cast the cloture vote yeah. and see how they do? I don't, I don't think it's a all or nothing. I mean, everybody knows. Everyone is sick of Obama lying to them about Obamacare. I think that probably they're getting sticker shock on their health insurance premiums. They're not liking the fact that they're not going to be able to keep their doctors, their hospitals. Hospitals are shutting down. A lot of the Obamacare nightmares are coming true way faster than the Democrats had bargained oh, yeah. for. Oh, yeah. And I think the infighting, I, 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 just, I just don't see it as having... A chance. I mean, all this infighting is going to happen before the primary, and I think the GOP establishment is just mad that they're not going to get to keep their toys. No, and uh, he's going to try to take them away, and they can't stand that. Let's see. I think we've got Debbie back here, if I'm right. Is this Debbie? Hi, yes, this is Debbie. Hey, Debbie. So am, am I right to say that the analogy is not good, this war analogy that Seoul is trying to put forth? Well, I'm not sure. But I guess I just wanted to make the point that I think it's kind of superfluous whether or not that analogy is valid because if you were going to accept this analogy, you could say the so-called soldiers that are being quote-unquote sacrificed, it's like uh, if you had soldiers who refused to fight or who started shooting at their own people on their own side and you got rid of them and replaced them with uh, ones that were uh, willing and able to fight. Um, I mean, I think you could say that if you were going to make the analogy between a war and politics, that you could say that's what the establishment GOP is, that they're traitors, and that it's good to get rid of them. But, but yeah, I mean, you might be right that, that it's not a valid analogy in the, in the first place. I don't think, I mean, I think you he's know, just reaching it. You know, this, this, is, this is one thing. You know, he talks about in the piece, he talks about you can't really make – symbolism about a war that you lose, you know, or a battle that you lose and things like this. I, I think that in war, maybe sometimes you do certain things for symbolism and there is maybe a limited value. But what is true in politics is that there can be a tremendous value in taking a stand at certain key points and making your position clear yeah. and, you know, standing up on principle and articulating an effective message to the American people at certain points, that has value in politics where, you know, you're beyond hope by the time you've reached the point of war. Yeah, maybe you can have a little bit of symbolism here and there, but in terms of actually convincing the enemy, so to speak, you, you've gone beyond convincing, right? Whereas here, I think that Cruz could probably convince a lot of Democrats to come along with him. He could have the Reagan Democrats so to speak, come along with him if he articulates his message effectively at certain key points. And that's what politics gives the opportunity to do that war does not. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think I, I, I see what you mean. Like if, 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 if his point is that it makes it it's, um, destructive or pointless to make a symbolic gesture because um, and then he's trying to carry that over to the war analogy, then I agree with you that that's not a valid thing to do. But also this, this idea about the soldiers, again, if the soldiers are directed by gutless rats, uh, they're worthless. 
I mean, they, they really are. Again, we have the strong. We have the strongest fighting force on earth. Mm-hmm. A dozen years, Al Qaeda is still active. Every enemy is still active. We have not touched the enemy in any fundamental way. So it doesn't matter about the soldiers. It matters about the leaders, the leadership. Get the bitch McConnell. Get John Boehner out. That's the whole point. You got to get him out. Whether they're voted out, who knows? However, however lost in, in the elections, whatever. And even to the point, some people are arguing, well, would you accept a Democrat beating uh, John Boehner in Ohio so he can't be speaker? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, well willing to do that. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, traitors, are, traitors are of no value no. in any kind of conflict. And so, yeah, um, I agree with that, with what Bosch just said that it would be better just to have a Democrat win than to have Boehner or McConnell. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, my, my purpose here isn't to say, okay, I wholly endorse Cruz for 2016 no. irrevocably now, but here's... These attacks here's, on him, yeah. these attacks on him are just way out of line. Again, he's one sitting right. senator. Relax. <laughs> if he was president, they would just blow their heads off. I don't know. You're no. right, Bosh. I mean, they, they, they're just terrified of him. He's one man, and they're <laughs> just absolutely hysterical. I've never you know seen so many no. people be afraid of one just, person before. Just one example. I don't want to equip myself with that, but there was one guy who wrote a piece, right, about uh, Islamic comics, you know, comics with, with Muslim superheroes. And he goes, yeah, there have been a lot of uh, jihad, anti-jihad superheroes. Hello, Bosh Faustin. I was the only guy he named. You know I mean, that's, that, that goes for a lot. No, no, I'm, I'm the only guy doing this. Cruz is the only guy who's speaking up and saying, basically, the emperor has no clothes, and they can't believe it. They're shocked. I think you're on to something with it being, having to do with um, him being a reproach, because that yeah. kind of, that level of fear can't oh. be just existential. It's no. one person. I mean, he doesn't have existentially the amount of power that they're acting like no. he has. No, it no, has they act like he's... No, they act like he's going to destroy them. Well, and that's the thing. So Soul says, you know, Soul says he doesn't have the power to get anything accomplished politically right now. He has only the power to destroy, <laughs> as if he has a power to destroy. And again, you go back to the idea, if, if telling the truth is going to destroy something, then so much so the worse for the thing that's going to destroy. So there's, then, there's that, that. Then the thing meant nothing um, anyway. This idea that him pursuing his interests is somehow against ours, I haven't seen that at all. You know, and, and again, those basic assumptions, we have to question those assumptions. We have to question the assumption that these establishment guys, these milk toast, <sighs> nothing, you know, may as well be Democrat guys are somehow yeah. electable. So there's that. And then the second assumption is that if these guys, guys do get elected, that somehow they're going to do any good once they get in there. I reject both of those. I just, so I just, I just can't wait for a Boehner or some other rats to go to the Democrat Party if they get beaten by some Tea Party guy. Because that, that would be perfect and totally fitting that they would become Democrats because that's what they are. Yeah. I mean, that is what they are. So, so just go all the way, guys. Deborah, I want to give you the last word on this before we go on to the next topic. What do you think? Uh, well, I think that would be great. I agree with Bosch. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that, just, that this, this year we're going to do a lot of turnover in the primary stage. Uh-huh. and get a lot of these bad people eradicated and replace them with somebody who can actually do something on the Republican uh-huh. side. You know, the, the, quest, the, the question will be is if we get these good guys in, you know, in by the primaries, you know, as the Republican candidate, will the establishment GOP try to sabotage them? Yes. 
and let, <laughs> Sorry, the, yes. Demo- and let the Democrat win rather yes. than actually having the Republican majority that they say is so important. Yes, yes. It wouldn't surprise think, me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look what they're doing now. Okay. Well, let's, let's go on to a couple other topics. And thank you, Debbie, for calling back again. And thank you for just giving us a sounding board and agreeing with our little position on Cruz here because I, I do. I think Cruz is the only guy in Washington right now that gives me yes. any hope whatsoever. I mean, he, and, he and, hope. and we have a lot of work to do. So let, let's look at some of the things that show how much work we have to do this year and how important it actually is. State Department. State Department. Our State Department hosted a web chat this week for quote-unquote superheroes yeah okay it was, it was all about superheroes at state that was the, the title of this initiative so what they were doing is they wanted to talk about comic book superheroes and it turns out that every single one of the superheroes the that they're talking about in the ad is a muslim superhero quote-unquote muslim super because there's no such thing <laughs> By the way, pre-9-11, uh, unheard of Muslim superheroes, post-9-11, over 100, if not more. And these are in the West. I'm not talking about uh, what they have in the Middle East, if, they have, if there are any, at least. But basically, they, they were pushing this idea that it's about superheroes when every single quote-unquote superhero on that, on that ad was a Muslim superhero. And they had a Muslim publisher of the 99, which is 99 Muslim superheroes. And uh, to me, this is just another example of the left and Islam and Muslims. Let me, let, me, let me read the little blurb that they put out there. It was, superheroes will move into the diplomatic spotlight Wednesday morning in a web chat hosted by the U.S. Department of State. Okay, listen, this is your tax dollars. Those of you Freedom Breeze, I remember who was listening in the last hour said uh, that he or she, and I'm sorry I forgot, but when people use acronyms that have mm-hmm. no names, I can't remember. But he or she was doing taxes as well, like I was this week. And when you see where your money goes... Mm. Look at this. So U.S. Department of State hosted this, and it says, Called Superheroes at State, the live event will feature a discussion about comics and superheroes, quote, as they relate to shared values in countries around the world, end quote, with Comic-Con International's David Glanzer joining Assistant Secretary of State for Educational and Cultural Affairs, Evan Ryan, in the co.nx studio, and then Dr. Naif Al-Matawa, creator of the Islamic superhero comic The 99, will participate remotely from Kuwait, while artist Dan Panosian will select his favorite submissions from an earlier contest. Um, Okay, so they talk about that it's going to be shared values in countries around the world, and the the one that they have in the graphic is... The 99, the Muslim one. All the Muslim superheroes. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a picture of a mosque yes. there. I mean, and there's a turban. Now, what, what, is, what is that structure? Is that anything? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But there's a burqa, a burqa-clad superhero, quote-unquote. There's a, a headscarf, all these trinkets. You know, just it's just unbelievable. And, and to me, I mean, you know, you know my position. I, I'm the creator of Pigman, if, if you're not aware. 
is the anti-jihadist superhero in post 9/11. I don't just know if any Google of Google Pigman, yeah, you'll Google get Pigman. an eyeful and everything yes. else. Yeah. Pigman and Jihad, because they 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 have some older Pigman. There was a novel called The Pigman years ago, so that might come up. But if you put if you put images, yes. But I'm just in terms of Muslim superheroes, you know, uh, we know by now that they don't sell. Um, DC Comics bent over for the 99, and they allowed this guy to use Batman, Superman, and One Woman. These, they're 75-year-old characters. They have the movies, merchandise, comics. They're, you know, how much money they made. They could muster only 19,000 copies of issue one and 10,000 for the last issue, which is horrific. They don't sell. They don't sell, and but they don't care about that. And also, who do these Muslim superheroes fight? Who are their arch? Who are their greatest villains? Who? Islamophobes. I mean, <laughs> no, but they don't, they won't even go there. Is what I'm saying. Right. Now, one potent question I have to ask, and I asked the writer of Miss Marvel, Marvel's uh, Muslim superhero. I said, uh, when will she fight jihadists? When? No Muslim superhero fights jihadists. They don't acknowledge the existence of jihadists. This is to me, you know, you know, when I say uh, Muslim terrorists are, are a cliche, only in real life. In comics, they're nowhere to be found, nowhere except in my in my in my comic and Frank Miller's comic. That's it. Period. And also, uh, in terms of sales, uh, they were really pushing the idea that they were the best-selling comic on Comicsology, the uh, comic uh, digital app. In the top 25 right now, it's nowhere in sight. But she, the comic book has 800 plus. Ratings. That means people who like, but it's nowhere near the top 25 in terms of sales. So that tells you something. There's something smells there. Okay, so other popular comics, how many ratings do they get? 400 was the top one I saw besides that one. 400. This okay. is literally so twice this has as much. got double the amount. Double. You know what this reminds me of? I don't know if many of you know this or not. I actually started an right. account on Twitter called the Ayn Rand Bot. So if you don't follow it already, it's kind of cool. Follow Ayn Rand Bot on Twitter, and you'll get periodic little quotations from Ayn Rand throughout the day. It's, it's kind of fun. Anyway, there was something called the Shorty Awards, and the Ayn Rand Bot was actually doing pretty well in a particular category, the author category. And what happened was a whole bunch of click farm Muslims came and push some other Muslim account ahead of everybody. Account. A non-writer account. Yeah, as far as we know, the person wasn't even an author. No, nothing. And that account beat everybody else out, including J.K. Rowling. Yes, but um, then they knocked out that category. They ended up knocking out the category and not because giving any award at all. They knew it was all. stacked. They knew yeah. something smelled about it. They knew that Muslims got together because there are a lot of Muslims and I th- in the I world. And I think that's what happened at Comixology. I think, I think com- they com- probably uh, blasted all their sales in the 100%. first week. And they had a whole bunch of people give ratings who didn't even yep. buy it, probably. No, no doubt about it. And they told everybody, buy it and rate it and buy it and rate it. And you, and you had said it first, for the first several days at least, the reviews that you saw were uniformly 100% positive. First. But then you saw a negative or no. at least a, a, a kind of middle-of-the-road review someplace else, right? No. I thought you said some guy, not a review, but maybe a comment at least on no, one website? that was about the 99. Oh, about the about 99. The 99. Okay. Yes, she acknowledged the fact that the sales stink. There are, there was, is not was, one. Wasn't there a guy who said something about the Miss Marvel, and he said the story message wasn't board. that good and, a message, oh, on a message board? Okay. But not, there has not been, okay. and if someone could try to, to find out, please, I've tried. There is not one critical review of Miss Marvel. Not one. They might have some little moment or something, that they, but they said, a lot of them have said it's perfect. It's the perfect introduction to a superhero, which is absolute BS, because you, you, you don't even find out what she can do. At the first moment you see her, she's sniffing 
bacon behind a glass in a deli and saying, mmm, infidel meat, delicious, delicious. First of all, how should you know it's delicious if you never had bacon? And that's such a cheap, petty way to try to get on the side of quote-unquote infidels, the infidel readers. But also, another thing, I just, you know, I, there is, there's no demand for uh, Muslim superheroes. Nothing. They don't sell. There's no demand out there. They're shoving down our throats. And, you know, another thing, I wrote this piece, and if you haven't read it, please do. It's called... Uh, it's called The Ten Truths Mainstream Comic Books Evade to Promote Muslim Superheroes. It's at PJ Media. And uh, my opening line, I think it's, uh, I think it's important to say, I said, you know, and by the way, truth number one is we are at war. The whole context is, is that we're at war. While we're selling Muslim superheroes, Muslims are killing non-Muslims every single day. Every single day while that's happening. Uh, so here's the, uh, the, uh, the opening. I said I put, quote-unquote, Muslim superheroes in quotes because Marvel DC Comics want to promote, quote-unquote, Muslim superheroes without promoting Muslim superheroes. They want to promote their fantasy version of what they would like Muslim superheroes to be, not Islam's version. As I've argued it in my work, a good Muslim by our standards is a bad Muslim by Islamic standards. Therefore, a true Muslim superhero would be a Muslim supervillain. And that's the whole point. Who are the people that they fight? They try to tell us that Muslim superheroes, if Muslims, devout Muslims, keep keeping in mind also, would fight alongside Superman and Batman against what, criminals and villains? And No, they wouldn't do that. Right. They'd use their power for the Ummah, for the Muslim community, well, against infidels. And, and you just, uh, you had a story earlier today, and it was so horrific, I wouldn't even oh link to God. it on my blog. Again, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com. I have program notes with links to the stories that we're the, talking uh, about in the show. Bosch will just give you the headline of a story that was so horrific that I would not even link to it on my blog. This is just the latest atrocity committed by Muslims. And it was a, um, a crime by an imam, right? Imam. Where, where's the imam? He's in, uh, I think, Turkey. Turkey, okay. An imam in, in Turkey. Yes. Moderate, oh, Turkey. moderate Turkey. Moderate, moderate yeah. Turkey. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find him. Sorry. Um, I don't, okay. Here's the title. Um, Imam, if this thing ever works, I'm sorry, everyone. Imam rapes his sister, forces her to abort her, the baby, and blames the job stress of being an imam. And also, by the way, his brother raped their sister as well. Uh, and, and as I put it, I said, uh, here is uh, this minute's Islamic horror story. Right. If you pay attention to Jahawatch, I don't know how Robert Spencer does it. I admire him. But I don't know how the hell he guts into this disgusting mess that is Islam. Every single day, a dozen stories at least, and who knows how many, how many we're missing. These kind of horrific stories. Well, it's just like covering the latest atrocity out of Obama's White House. And while, well. again, while all this is happening, yeah. Marvel Comics and DC Comics are promoting people, characters who are affiliated with this evil religion and pretending, pushing it as something good. Here's another story. Many of you might be familiar. I've only heard a little bit about it, that there is a planned one-way trip to Mars and that various people have applied to be on the trip. And you can say what you want about the decision to go to Mars. I gather that there's one woman who has applied to be on that spaceship to go to Mars, and she would be leaving behind husband and children, knowing she would never see them again. And her husband has... Gave her his consent. Given, yeah, given his consent and, oh, and encouragement. Her. Oh, he loves her. Anyway, you can say what you want about it, but here's something ridiculous out of the Islamic world. It says an Islamic authority has issued a fatwa forbidding travel to Mars. And we have to thank Ed for sending this story on to me, although I think Bosch had already seen it. 
First Salman Rushdie, now the Red Planet, the general authority of Islamic affairs and endowment in the United Arab Emirates, again, moderate, right, issued a fatwa declaring travel to Mars un-Islamic because participants would be going on a suicide mission. The Mars One project, with, which hopes to take four people on a televised one-way trip to the planet by 2023, Wilson. respectfully requested that the GAIAE cancel the fatwa. Hold on a second. But if they had a suicide bomber on there, they would like that for it to be a suicide mission to blow up everyone in that in that. Well, you can commit space. suicide. You just can't do it while not killing oh, infidels. Oh, yeah, but yeah, but you would kill them because you'd be strapped up, and you I mean you can kill them all. But they all by time you get there, they're all ready to go. I mean, but, here, here's but, the thing. But, but I how, how do you, how, wait? How do you get to Mars? Uh, Muslim technology or infidel yeah. technology? I think right. they're opposed to the technology. I mean, th- think about it. I I can imagine people. Who, for whom it would be in their rational self-interest to take this voyage, okay, fine, knowing that you're never coming back. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you, it, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 but to forbid it and... <laughs> look, look, when, when mankind finally leaves Earth, you know, we, we'll have to before it blows up one day. We can tell Muslims, you can hang out here, guys. You know, you, the Earth is, it's, it's all yours. You know what I mean? It's all yours, guys. Allah Akbar, go. You know I mean? And then, you know, we'll leave and, uh, you know, we, we, we will save ourselves. Attack of the Muslim Martians of state defiance. Mm-hmm. We need an American Muslim superhero to defend us. Yeah. Yay. Now, now, keep in mind also, I mean, this Muslim superhero, if she's in Israel, let's say, I don't know why she would be, but let's just say she is, and there's an assassination attempt on Netanyahu. Mm-hmm. Would she go save Netanyahu, this Marvel Muslim superhero? Would that ever happen? If there's a, a bus full of Jewish kids... In New York, and she's there, and would she save them? No, she wouldn't save them. Well, if she's actually Muslim. She wouldn't save them. But what they're doing here, again, they're trying to make her Muslim and not Muslim at the same time, but they they sure as want to advertise her as Muslim. Because as the editor-in-chief said, she's like Peter Parker. Yeah, because I remember Peter Parker praying five times a day in the comics. Oh, yeah. You know, with his atheist co-creator, Steve Dicko. You you read the first issue. Does she pray in it? No, she doesn't pray. Her brother is a quote-unquote devout Muslim. So I guess he's bound to maybe try try to kill her, but she she has some superpowers, so I guess she can can defend herself. I don't know. It's just, it's really, it's so ugly, the fact that this exists without any DC or Marvel comic book fighting jihad in any, any capacity. So, so I mean, to me, it is horrendous that we have the State Department promoting, promoting Muslim comics. Yep. And again, it's not that they're selling. It's not that people even want it. It's not that this is part of the mainstream in comics, but the State Department is pushing it and as lied. part of the mainstream. And they lied because they yeah. said superheroes at chat, as superheroes at state, not Muslim superheroes, which is the truth. They lied, and they have to lie. And think about why they did that. Because they had, they had this Muslim creator on. They, they want to talk about clearly about Muslim, Muslim comics, but they know that no one would really come. If they put well, superheroes at fate. Right, right. But they expected the other people to so-called balance it out. But you could tell it was so transparent yeah. that they were pushing the Muslim superheroes, the there so-called are values that are share with Muslims. There are French superheroes. Yeah, there are yeah. a, a ton of superheroes sure. out, out, out there in the world, outside of America. So why not have more of them? Because they know that the most important thing to them is... Islam right now, the State Department. I mean, I don't know. The Islamic State Department, that's, that's the new name? The Statist Department? I don't know. We know that there's a poor guy rotting in prison because of the State Department, but that's a whole other story for another day. So, so suppose you are a news media outlet. 
and you would like to criticize the State Department for holding events like this, this little superheroes at state chat, as they call it. Good luck, because I just got one of the many stories in which this is published about. This is the Washington Examiner, and hat tip to Ed Maslish for posting this on, on Facebook. New Obama initiative tramples First Amendment protections. And Sowell even talks about this in part of his, you know, we're on the brink, point of no return piece. What Obama is thinking of doing is putting government contractors into newsrooms around the country. I cannot even believe that this is, I mean, you couldn't even have this in the onion because it's not funny enough. It's so scary. It's not even funny enough. I'm, I'm this, re- is what dictators, this is what dictatorships do. Let, let, me, let me read you from the piece here. It says, the First Amendment says that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. It says, but under the Obama administration, the FCC is planning to send government contractors into the nation's newsrooms to determine whether journalists are producing articles, television reports, Internet content, and commentary that meets the public's, quote, critical information needs. Can I ask everyone at, at large listening, uh, do you think the staircase or the window when the guy comes in? When, no, when that government is, which one is the proper response? The staircase or window yeah. when the guy walks in? I'm, I mean, just, I'm just curious. Yeah. For, I mean, first of all, so the government is going to determine what our critical information needs are. They should then, be kicked out the minute they walk in, physically shown the door. Every single last organization should do this. And then, then the government will say, oh, man, we couldn't get away with this. They, they, would, they, they wouldn't try to fight it. What do you do? Have martial law? It says, it says those, that, that's what's Venezuela right now. They're doing that. Those needs will be defined by the administration, and news outlets that do, that do not comply with the government's standards could face an uncertain future. It's hard to imagine a project more at odds with the First Amendment. The initiative, known around the agency as CIN Study, pronounced SIN, is a bit of a mystery even to insiders. Uh, Quote, this has never been put to an FCC vote. It was just announced, said Ajit Pai, who's one of the FCC's five commissioners and one of its two Republicans. says, I've never had any input into the process. He's a commissioner. And he brought the story to the public's attention in the Wall Street Journal column last week. Is 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 he considered a whistleblower? Is he going to have to go on the run like Snowden? I mean, just, just, you know, just, just think about well, but, this. No, but this guy is totally, I mean, he's like, he's shocked probably him, himself. The FCC guy. Oh, yes. yeah. He's oh, yeah. like, wait well, a minute. I and, can't be part and, of this. And look at how this is set up, right? I mean, you know, first of all, they're saying, oh, you know, it's just a study. And we just want to see whether they're meeting the needs. And oh, yeah. But when remember when they had Attack Watch? And again, yeah. I keep going back to even if they're not threatening any particular action against you now, just the fact that you know that they're watching, that they're collecting information about what you're doing is going to affect you. It is censorship right away as soon as they do it. And then look at the fact that they're having government contractors here. One of the things that we learned from Snowden is that the so-called whistleblower protection legislation that Obama keeps talking about, yeah. you know, that Snowden should have gone through the proper mm-hmm. channels because whistleblowers are protected thanks to legislation that he, of course, signed. That 
whistleblower protection does not extend to government contractors. So specifically, if they're going to send contractors in, those contractors will not have the protection of a whistleblower statute to tell the American people what's really going on with this program. And think about the nature of those individuals who go into these places and try to monitor these people. Again, these are bad guys. I I don't give a rat's ass what they try to sell them as. Well, they're just innocent government. No, no. This is something that it's, it's not been done before. This is, that's, that's what I'm saying about this is different than Carter era. This is outrageous. This is a power grab like we haven't seen ever in America. This is part of it. And that has to be fought. I mean, they have to literally be kicked out of the door when they walk in. Say, you have no business here. Get out. There is a Democratic FCC commissioner Mignon Clyburn, a woman, she's a daughter of a powerful House Democratic Republican James Clyburn. She was appointed to the FCC by Obama, of course, has served as acting chair for part of last year. She said that what the FCC uh, must do is, quote, emphatically insist that we leave no American behind when it comes to meeting the needs of those in varied and vibrant communities of our nation, be they native-born, immigrant, disabled, non-English-speaking, low-income, or other, end quote. Where can't you get news that you want to read in this country? You get it on your phone, you get it on your computer, you get it on your iPad, you get it everywhere, television, Mm -hmm. anywhere and everywhere. You can choose to read anything you want. So she's saying people are being left out? The un, what's the, what's the word that they always, the, uh, what, what, what's the term that Michelle Obama and the old hacks always use? The under. Underprivileged? No, under, no, the under, I don't underserved? know. Underserved? Underserved. So there are people in this country who are underserved in terms of news intake? Who? Where? So they say, what? Here are the critical needs. You have to have information about emergencies and risks. Health and welfare, education, transportation, economic opportunities, the environment, civic information, and political information. So, I mean, my show, my show would be gone because certainly well, I'm failing in one of those eight criteria. Although I would say I do my own my own version of most of, most of this stuff. Well, we allow uh, one emerg- emergency emergencies and risks. Uh, anything coming out of the Obama White House. Health and welfare, stay away from anything that Obama has touched. Education, don't go to government schools. Uh, transportation, use your Hold own. Hold What's trans, uh, Transportation, these, these are the critical needs. I'm telling everybody what they should do along all these eight axes right now. Economic opportunities, um, stay away from any government jobs or government-funded companies. The environment, uh, the environment is much better off with fossil fuels than it is hmm. without. Civic information, try to stay away from civic information as much as possible, otherwise you will get depressed. No, but and political information. What I can't stand yeah, here. Yeah, we're trying. If you read this article say, this is a scary thing, fearful. No, 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 no. You got to go off the rooftops. You have to go, you have to be a, 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 if there's any semi-rational liberal left, you got to put it on smack dab on the front page of your I newspaper. I want to know, I want to know this what John Stewart, I want to know what John Stewart's yes. going to say well, about this. Well, I suppose the, uh, Does I, he count as a newsroom? Is he going to have his own government contractor? Right, right. I mean, he does a well, joke of the news. Well, but... he hides behind the fact that he's a comedian, then he goes hard news. So he's a real hack in that, in that way. But suppose the, uh, I can't listen to Rush Limbaugh anymore. I, I read his site. I think he says something about, about how Wolf Blitzer more or less bring it on. He welcomes it. I, I, I don't know 100%, but I think that's what I read. Sounds right, right, right in character. 
and, and, and the thinking goes probably, I have nothing to hide. That's not the point, you idiot, you moron. You want someone breathing over your shoulder. You want someone even around the corner you can't even see but you know exists there. And you're going to you're gonna, uh, repeat the news normally? You're going to criticize government the way you normally do? You're going to criticize the FCC? You, the FCC? you are going to change your yeah. thinking and delivery in some small way. Even if it's to go more extreme against government. Right. You know what I mean? Even if it's that. Because if someone was here right now, I mean, I'd be cursing that person out and the government out right now, literally. There's, so, there's plenty of people like me who would not change the message one iota, but it would still intimidate me to at least some small extent. And to that extent, it is This is censorship. an attack, yeah. is what it is, and has to be written about as such. And I'm not sure if enough people are, are doing it. And also, it just seems to me like we're just taking a stride. Well, this is terrible. Okay, next. No, no, no. This is unacceptable because, as Iron Man said, once free speech goes, then, then it's over. Right. Then it's over. No, and listen to this. So I put the link at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. You can go take a look at it. It is the World Press Freedom Index from 2014. And even before this news has come out, which I assume would ratchet us down quite a few spots on the, on the survey, we're already number 46 yes. in the world. We are the 46th country in the world with respect America. to freedom of expression. We are America, the land of the First the Amendment. The land of the First Amendment. The land of free speech. We have an enemy of free speech in the White House. This an is, enemy. This is a huge test for the so-called liberals in this country who purport well, to I be... I think they're freedom. gone. I mean, I think there might be one individual who might, you know, sheepishly almost say something, but I think they've proven that they're gone. I think Obama has really exposed the left, liberals, Democrats, uh, Republicans as a scum that they are. And now, you know, it's good that we know that. I mean, that's a value because that's, that's why a Tea Party exists now. There's no, you know, that's why it exists. That's why it's, 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 it's trying to fight back. But this right here, this is, it, it can be seen as, well, it's just one of the things Obama does. No, no, no. This is a big one. Big. They want to this, influence the news. I would, I would say this and taking over the schools are the two worst. Taking over schools, Obamacare, but what I'm saying is this, uh, cuts down our, our free speech. This is a direct assault on free speech by the Obama administration. This is something that has to be fought, has to be, I mean, has to be, again, you walk into the offices and they have their suit on, they have their suitcase, they come in, they have to be turned back, say, just, you know, they want to be polite, we, you're not wanted here, you know, that's it. Yeah. It has to go there. I mean, they have to do that. These people need to be boycotted for their entire life. They have to be worse, shown. Worse than TSA agents, because at least a TSA agent, the idea is supposedly they're going to be keeping us safe. Ha ha. Remember the one monitor at, at Apple? They got rid of his ass? Oh, yeah. This is what has to happen. And it's not just, not just through legalities. I think the... But this is, this is even worse. I mean, supposedly at Apple... The antitrust monitor is there because supposedly Apple violated a law, namely the antitrust law, which nobody can ever run free of anyway. You know, you, they can get you an antitrust charge for doing absolutely nothing. But here, there's not even a pretense of a law that supposedly they violated. It's just you're not meeting our arbitrarily deemed critical information this needs. And so, therefore, an we're going to send this guy to babysit you. This it's, that, a, it's a babysitter. I think this is the biggest assault. I think this is one of Obama's biggest assaults because, again, without free speech, you know, how do, how do Rand put it, though? I mean, how do, how do Rand put it? I, well, I mean, it, it's not how Rand put it because I can't remember exactly how she put it. But the, but the idea but the, that but the when point free is, speech is that, goes. 
Yes, because what happens, I mean, free speech, this is what we're doing. We are right now, today, debating the issues of the day among the GOP, right? Should someone like Ted Cruz be endorsed and supported, or is he just somebody who is, you know, wreaking destruction on the Republican Party and and therefore poses a danger to the country? If we're not allowed to debate these issues and decide for ourselves what we think and therefore everybody go out and, and make an intelligent, you know, this an, an is a educated test. vote. Obama's testing us. Obama's testing us the way he tested us on election day 2008 to 2012. He thinks, okay, okay, America, you voted for this. Don't forget that. This is a test because he's like, if we can get away with this, then it's over. Well, then and, you can't bitch and, after And notice the common theme of not following the proper procedures. Now, again, procedures within administrative alphabet soup agencies are garbage, but they have their own procedure, supposedly in this case, that was not followed. The FCC commissioner who outed the whole thing in the right. Wall Street Journal, he said that this had never been brought up for a vote. It's just this was announced in the White House. So it's announced, and of course they have government contractors doing it because they don't have whistleblower protection. It is remember Shrug, one of said, the worst. Remember Shrug when the uh, bureaucrats got together? Can we get away with this? Because oh, don't put it that way. Don't put it that way. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. By the way, uh, yeah, Wal- well, Walter, yeah, Walter, yeah. yeah, Walter's saying here in the chat room of Blog Talk Radio well, that Rand um, did often say that as long as we have the First Amendment, we'll be free and we should not begin a revolution, yeah. not until free speech ends. By that standard, we're soon going to be going to the barricades. And he says also that Camille Paglia and uh, Nat Hentoff are the only two liberals, and absolutely true. Uh, they actually believe in free speech. They believe in that. They use it. They, you know, they, they fight it. You know, we don't, we don't have time to go through the stories, but just to give you an idea of what we might be in for in the not-too-distant future if things go the wrong way, look at what's going on in Venezuela. Mm. Everyone's talking about what's going on in Ukraine, right, right. but in Venezuela, you've got the government attacking its own people, and I've got two different reports for you to read. One is from the Wall Street Journal, which is not quite as condemnatory of the government as the... Uh, other story, which is a blog from a blog within Venezuela. So go ahead and check those out and just see. It looks like people who are protesting against the actions of their government in Venezuela, and the Venezuelan government is oppressive, communist, horrible regime. And a Chopin uh, condemned, oh, oh, he didn't actually. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Um, anyway, people who are protesting are being killed in some instances. The the one thing I will say, just to criticize the Wall Street Journal's coverage of this, (laughs) it says, at least five people for protesting the government have died since protests, you know, blah, blah, blah. Not have died. How about have been killed? Killed. Were murdered. Absolutely. This this passive voice. Oh, it's like they they just just dropped dead, you know? Yeah, Yeah. 2,996 people in 9-11 were killed. (sighs) They were butchered. They were incinerated. They were murdered. Let me, this one person said, actually, someone passed away in, in, in the towers. Right. That, this is the language that's, that we that's have That's exactly with. the kind of language passed I have away. to deal with. But do, do go look at that. Let's hope that that's not going to be our future. And again, making the right decisions over the next several months could be the difference between us and that because we are seeing these very alarming signs of Obama just and amassing it, more and it's more not power. Good enough. It's not for good himself. enough that, well, he's a president. No. No, 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 no. You fight this. You know, you fight this. And Ted Cruz has come out on it. He has to. I'm not sure if he has. He may have to some extent, but I haven't heard him yet. He has to fight this. Tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. Go out there. Make a speech. Right. Get on television. Do it. 
fight this. He he's doing. I mean, if you look at his Facebook page, he's very active, including on this. Uh, not not this particular issue, the First Amendment issue. I don't know. But let me go ahead and get to a couple of good news stories before the show is just about over here. We've only got a couple minutes left. One is sent to me by Crostio at NAS office via the News Sandwich page on Facebook. And there is a man who has said that he can speed cell data a thousandfold, that cell, cell data could travel a thousand times faster. Will the carriers listen is the question. So we have someone out there who is innovating. Uh, Steve Perlman, he is an iconic Silicon Valley investor who's best known for selling his web TV company to Microsoft. He says that he's got a new age cellular technology. He started working on it a decade ago, and he's Hmm. going to give the first public demonstration at Columbia University, and it's going to speed cell data transmission 1,000 times. It can outweigh the government, right? It'll outrace the government. Is that I mean, the point? That would be wonderful. And could we have it no. actually? Well, can, can we also have it in a way that preserves our privacy? That yes. would be wonderful as well. Another story sent to me uh, via a listener at Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is a Don't Let It Go Unheard page. I've got too many pages on Facebook, but Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook. Miranda sent this story to me. A smartphone kill switch could become federal law. So there's something called a smartphone kill switch that would allow you to get your phone disabled if your phone is stolen. Sounds like a good idea, but but there's a couple different things. First of all, it could be hacked. Second of all, I don't think it should be made mandatory. They're talking about making it a federal law such that they would have to... Uh, put this in every single phone. So we've got about 30 seconds left. Go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com to see the other good news stories that I posted there. Uh, Cancer research, Ukrainian uh, showing that they don't share, uh, they don't have you share your data with a third party with WhatsApp. Please go check it out. And at don'tletitgo.com also leave comments, but I got to go now and we will talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.